You're listening to another great podcast in the MyMac Podcasting Network. Hey, it's time for Geeks Pub. I'm Tim Robertson, joined by David Cohen from the other side of an ocean. Hello, David. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. We're recording this on um, the 21st of March. We're also on Facebook Live, and it's about uh, quarter to eight, 7.45 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you guys ever want to kind of see the pre-show and the post-show, there's not much of a post-show, but... If you guys want to join us live, that's when you do it. you got to be on Facebook, unfortunately. I know a lot of people don't like Facebook, yep. but it is a uh, it's a thing. So, yep. And I am fully not using GarageBand. You'll be proud of me, David. <laughs> I'm 100% on the board now. Still learning the ropes. I'm still learning this board. Um, yeah. The only thing I don't really like, to be honest, is... I don't. I don't really like the sound of myself in in the headphones. Yeah, nobody else likes um, sound you either. But we all have to put on. I it. don't blame them. Yeah, <laughs> now I now I get it. You know, I used to listen to every episode of My Mac and Tech Fan, usually the next day, mm-hmm. um, more or less to check to make sure everything was kosher. There was a few times, um, I had to go in and change something and re-upload the show yeah. before too many people downloaded it. But I, I, I don't listen to it back anymore. Yeah. A little bit in the mix when I'm putting it all together. And this episode I'll probably listen to more back simply because of one of our main topics and I have to really heavily edit the show. Yep. And that is we're returning to our regular feature on movies and TV music. You know, yeah. stuff stuff that when you hear it, I know exactly what that's from. Yeah, and you you picked a couple good ones. I think I picked up a good ones. Uh, we're gonna get to that in a little bit. But first, big geeky news this week: two major major new things dropped. Well, one's kind of new: uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League yeah. and the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah, or is it the Winter Soldier and the Falcon? I think it's the Falcon, Falcon and the Winter, and Winter Soldier. Soldier. I think, yeah. So that so that dropped. I was really excited to see. Um, I, quite honestly, I, I was looking. I was looking forward to both, but for different reasons. I know you haven't watched the four hour. Four hours. I I wish it's, it's it's I wish brutal. they had released it in bits. If they would released it in bits, it would be a little bit easier because then you could watch watch it in chunks. I, I, the problem is, is finding four hours sit down and watch it is hard. It is. I watched it in roughly three chunks. Mm-hmm. And it might have been better had he... Because remember, we knew it was going to be a movie. And then for a little while there, they switched over. And it was going to be a miniseries yeah. or a TV show. But then they... No, it's it's a movie. And I don't think it's cut any certain way that makes it better better one way or another well i'd imagine it's not it's not really been cut at all i mean it's been assembled but if it's four hours long that means he's put in everything he's not he's not edited anything out so the story behind the snyder cut most people already know uh zach snyder was building up to this movie and he was trying to create a cohesive universe with dc characters Mm -hmm. the way marvel has been doing for a decade and the Big problem I think a lot of people had was twofold. They were going way too fast. They hadn't established a universe like Marvel had. That was one. And number two, there was some question whether Zack Schneider really understood these characters yeah. and could do them justice. And I agree with both of those criticisms. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Zack Schneider understands these characters at all. I think he gets it wrong way more than he gets it right. Yeah, it's it's kind of weird because he actually I thought he actually did a pretty good job with Watchmen. Um you know, he seemed to understand he, did okay. he seemed to understand that better and kept Well, but to know. be fair to Watchmen, he just had the comic book that was yeah, the script. Yeah. You know, the actors read the comic book over and over, so they understood the motivations of the characters. So he didn't create anything with Watchmen. He just filmed what was in the comic yeah. book. He did make, He changed a little bit, yeah. but not enough significantly to 
affect who these characters were and what the movie was. Yeah. Yeah, I but I I get you. I I think the, everyone likes to reinterpret comic book characters. Um, maybe that's part of the problem. Uh, and he he particularly has a very kind of dark, gritty vision for these characters. Which the difficulty it it it, it worked. I mean, it worked really well for his Batman character. I thought he did a good job with Batman. Uh, I even can live with the idea that Batman, this was a more violent, less caring about killing Batman, you know, after being at it for 20 okay. years and all of that. The problem is, is not all the DC characters are like that. A lot of them are much lighter. Uh, and he can't, he can't pull that off because everything has to be dark and gritty. Um, and, and that's, that's part of the issue. And then there's development as well. Funnily enough, I watched the Aquaman movie recently, which I'd not seen before. Um, mm-hmm. and I kind of really enjoyed it. I, I was pleasantly it was surprised. Standard comic book fair movie. Yeah, I mean, it didn't bring anything new to the table, no. but it also didn't insult the character or the stories that exactly. came before. Yeah, but it, whoever did it, I don't remember. James Wan. James Wan was the director. Here's the thing about Aquaman, though: no one gives a shit. <laughs> No one cares about Aquaman. Well, Nobody. Yeah, and you they know, even make fun of Aquaman in The Boys. Yeah, I know. I I think. Well, that, the that, deep. Well, that's part of it. With um, that's part of it with the uh, development of the universe. Because let's face it, nobody really gave a damn about Iron Man when they started. And um, they, it, it, Iron Man had more of a following. I, there was there was never any really good Aquaman stories. That's yeah. the thing. There was a lot of really good Iron Man stories. Yeah. I mean, you got to remember in the 80s, they literally made Tony a drunk and he had to quit being Iron Man because he was a he was a drunk. Yeah. He was screwing up and he was drunk in the armor. And it was it was a it was a for comic books at that time for such a major publisher like Marvel. It's one thing to do it with. Um unknown characters or original content and independent publishers and even DC doing something with Watchmen, which is it's kind of its own thing um, for Iron Man in the Marvel universe to be a drunk and have to quit and let Rod Rudy become Iron Man for a while. It was an amazing story at, at the time. Yeah. So some people did care about Iron Man. There was never an Aquaman. Wow. Did you read the, no one yeah, cared. I know. Even Peter David tried to take on the character when he got his hand cut off and the hook yeah. thing. And it still wasn't very good. I, the, the, my point is, is that in movies, if Iron Man had been a, you know, kind of another Green Lantern, for instance, nobody would have got, people would have gone, oh, well, it's just a comic book movie. Um, it was, it yeah. was the success of that that really kicked off the MCU. And, and I think when they went into that, the stakes were low or were lower in that, in that if it had failed, and the MCU had never happened. People just would have gone, okay, that's fine. Um, but they started the Marvel Universe as just a movie. It was an Iron Man movie, and yeah. it was these after credit scenes that started kind of <clears throat> tying it all together a little bit. Yeah. And they were more for fans and Easter eggs without any clear plan of what they were going to do, whereas DC clearly was going to try to build a universe, yeah. and they were going to try to shortcut all the important stuff. Um, and not and not just, just DC, but Zack Snyder himself, because he was behind all of those movies. He did Man of Steel. You know, he did uh, Batman versus Superman. Um, you know, it, it was it was all kind of him. And the problem is, is that as it went on, the studio got less and less enthused about what he was doing. Uh, and obviously, presumably, halfway through Justice League, I know they found an excuse because obviously he had a family tragedy. But the, you know, his, his daughter committed suicide. Yeah, exactly. I mean, but a, but I I think that I think they they must have thought, well, thank thank goodness we can get rid of him and redo this movie the way I don't we want to do. They thought, thank goodness. No, I I think I think it was a huge, shame on. I you. think it was a oh my god a convenient excuse because because they could have given him some time <laughs> off and then let him come back and finish and instead they turned around and said, well, okay, we need to hand this over to somebody else and they then reshot eighty yeah. percent of his movie. So um, and it. <laughs> So a lot of the people wonder that haven't seen it maybe is it worth watching the four hour cut and he pretty much did away with all Josh Wheaton's stuff. Yeah. Um, and he says this is his true vision for the movie. So is it worth it? That's the big question. Yeah. I think it's worth watching. Um, I think 
90% of it's better than the original Josh Wheaton cut, if you will. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's a good movie. Right. Yeah. And that's the disappointment for me that I was hoping, wow, maybe this was the one where he did kind of pull it all together. And I was looking forward to seeing what his vision was. Maybe I was wrong. Maybe those two movies, they're so... Superman was way better than Batman versus Superman. Um, maybe without seeing where it was all going to go, then it would really tie it all together. And... No. No. I mean, it did, but it did, it really didn't. Um, and there was some good stuff that Josh Wheaton did. He tried to add a little bit of comedy to it. Yeah. Like when Aquaman sits on Wonder Woman's lasso and confesses about yeah. this is important to him. I love that part in the original. That's gone. Any kind of levity, yeah. any kind of fun, gone. It's all dark and brooding and we're all going to die. And I will say that the bad guy's way better now than he was before yeah. he has some weight um but even still it's just i mean you finally understand the motivation of what that steppenwolf was doing why he was doing the the way he was doing yeah. it where he was just generic big bad guy in the original cut he had no backstory at all they did establish that i'll give him that Four hours is a long time. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> Here's what I like best about it. The last 15 minutes. Yeah. And because of something that happens in the movie, you wonder, okay, did this set up a, 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 another reality? Right. And it turns out, yes. So in one of the realities, we get a glimpse of in Superman versus Batman... Yeah. Remember when Batman's being tortured by Superman? Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is the beginning of that. Right. You see where that came from. And it's also in the trailer where you see Joker turning back at Batman and laughing. Yeah. And, and clearly they're on the same side. That is way more interesting. Way more interesting yeah. than anything else in the movie. That's what they should have started with. Yeah. Honestly. You know, Superman's a bad guy, and Darkseid has conquered the Earth, and they have to go back in time and change it, and it's going to take them a couple movies to get there. Yeah. The first two movies are survival and building the team, rescuing Batman, the bad guys that you saw in Suicide Squad, they're now the good guys because they're part of this, you know, the Batman coalition that they're trying to get back yeah. and rescue Batman and, and get to the Flash <coughs> but and go back and change history. That would have been way more interesting. Yeah, but instead but, of an but, after. Yeah, Warner Brothers would have sold far fewer Superman toys if they turned him into the baddie. That was the problem, you know. And it, and then it, they shouldn't have put. Then they shouldn't have put this guy in charge of it to begin yeah, with. because that's where he wants to go. Yeah, I, I I mean it's interesting that because I've been watching that um, Superman versus Lois series that's that's just started on the CW and of course that is the background theme for. for I don't the, think it's Superman versus Lois. Uh, so I keep keep thinking that uh, actually maybe it should be. <laughs> maybe yeah, I, like, uh, I mean it's, it's a quick fight. Yeah, no, Lois will kick his no, ass. No, maybe get every, him, Lois. Every week they should have a stand-up row. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what it is. It's actually nothing to do with him being Superman at all. It's all about their domestic circumstances and the fact that they can't stand each other. That would be hilarious. <laughs> I, I like I like the new Superman and Lois. Yeah, we're we're enjoying it as so well. Far. But but uh, I'm I'm one episode behind. You're right. I think they just came out with episode four. Yeah, I haven't watched I'm it. in the same place. Um, but what I yeah. like is is the backdrop to the big bad for the season is exactly that somebody who's come from an Earth where Superman did go bad and kind of destroy the planet. Yeah. Yeah, but it's again, it's a lower, uh, it's a um, um, Lex Luthor, and I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, the guy's kind of badass yeah. in it, but it's once again, it's it's a Luthor. Yeah, well, here we go again. This is TV. What are you going to do? Well, that's kind of the problem with what Zack Schneider did. Everybody wanted to see Superman fight Batman. 
but the problem is that's where they started and it's like yeah i don't know this batman he seems kind of badass it's ben affleck and everyone likes him kind of <laughs> um yeah. i do i actually really do like i do ben like affleck. him too i always have yeah even when he was jennifer and ben and all that crap i still liked ben affleck mm-hmm. i really did um but you don't start with that one yeah you know and then that that was the problem they started with superman and then they throw him right in against batman and oh by the way one room is in there for no discernible reason well no and oh yeah by the way superman dies in it and it's doomsday (gasps) no one cared yeah you know they blew their whole wad in one movie you know we wanted that discovery oh my god this is the first time superman and batman are going to meet and they shouldn't be fighting right up to it, it was stupid yep you know when those two go at it it should be a big deal because they've been so close yeah they've been friends and how does someone like batman take on someone as powerful as superman well yeah and well look, i mean look um captain america civil war did it did that storyline a whole lot better but it it meant more because they had been colleagues and friends for so long you know um and uh and it had emotional weight behind it. Yeah, and they did you, you understood why Cap was protecting Bucky. You understood why Bucky was like, you know, I did do this and I deserve whatever Tony wants to do to me. Yeah. I admit it. Yeah. This is this was me. And he didn't make excuses. No. He didn't say I did it because I was under brainwash. He didn't say any of that uh, kind of and, thing. He was just like, I did this. And to bring back to Falcon and the Winter Soldier, we're still dealing with the fallout of that. You know, this is a this is a man who has in, who's carrying an incredible amount of guilt for a you know effectively 90 years of being a weapon and um so and yeah, let's go into this new tv show from marvel on disney plus the first episode just dropped yeah they gave us a week off basically <laughs> from the fantastic i don't think anybody would argue the fantastic wanda and vision to um the falcon and the winter soldier and they're doing it exactly exactly the way you have to treat these type of characters. Yeah. They're humans, first and foremost. Yeah. Sam Wilson has a family and his sister, and she owns a, a shrimp boat. Yeah. I, I think Forrest Gump shows up at one point, too. <laughs> um, so she owns a shrimp boat that well, they lived on. That was their family home, was this boat. Yeah. That's where they grew up. And shrimping and fishing and all this kind of thing was the family business. And and it was called, you know, the Wilson family or whatever, yeah. Wilson fishery. And he's coming back trying to convince his sister not to sell the family boat because she's in dire straits. And he and remember, and he was he was um, blipped he away was for five away. years. So she's been yep. kind of doing this on her own. So you can put you yep. can see why she kind of resents that all of a sudden he's back and he's saying, <clears throat> you should be doing this. You should be doing that. And she's going, you don't realize what it's like, you know, yeah. and. and and it's is it's it feels so real, yeah. And you understand his motivation, but you also understand. I mean, they're completely fleshed out characters in one episode. Yeah. And then on the flip side, the Winter Soldier, you see that he's friends with a guy, a really old guy, uh, Asian guy, and you think, oh, well, he is old himself, so maybe this was like an old friend of yeah. his or something. That knows who he is. Turns out, no, this is the father of one of his victims, and he's kind of on a um, a, a redemption, redemption journey where you go and apologize to everybody, and he, they play very well. They really do oh, play well because so you think you think he's going back to his old ways, and then all of a sudden, the payoff comes, and and it's really great. And it and the thing is, it's heart it's heart wrenching. Yeah. You're like, oh my god and he's playing it so well because you go from a scene where he's talking to the shrink and she's saying you don't have yeah. any friends and immediately then yeah. you see him going for a reg what's obviously a regular dinner date with the old guy and you think well hang and on the a minute old guy sets up a date for him exactly and, and you think yeah. how what's going on here but, you know she says he hasn't got any friends and it looks like he's perfectly capable of of having friends and that but then you realize that actually all of it is a facade and he's still trying to deal with his demons it's so well done and the way so he well brings that across in relatively short amount of screen time and part of that is because we know the backstories of these characters we have seen them in several sure. movies we kind of know what motivates them we know that um 
But even if you don't, they give you the context. Exactly, yeah. Uh, you you see what he did. No, I'll, I'll tell Although I'll, they didn't actually show it. Yeah, so. I tell you what works, though, right? Um, Leanne, I, I put that show on for Leanne this morning. You remember she didn't like WandaVision at all. I said, you should watch this yeah. new one, you know. And, uh, and she went, who's Falcon? Because she doesn't really, you know... She's she's not geeky, but she watches the movies and all that, but she couldn't really remember who Falcon was. So I said, you remember um, Captain America's right-hand man, the guy with the wings, yeah? Um, and uh, she went, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, okay. But the thing is, once she remembered who he was, she kind of grokked what he was all about, which was, you know, he was your traditional loyal sidekick character. And that's one of the things that we're dealing with here is that he needs to step up. He is a hero in his own right, yeah, but he's always been a little bit self-effacing and now he's effectively been given the shield and asked to step up to be Captain America and he doesn't want to do it. Not because he does, doesn't have the patriotism, but he just feels like his way is the better way and the shield belongs to Captain America. And obviously that is yeah. his, this is the arc we're going to see with him on this, on presumably on, on this, or at least that's how it's being set up. We know that Marvel sometimes likes to screw with us a little bit. Um, and we're we kind of being given that and the fact that he's trying to deal with his home life and there's some very interesting things asked about, you know, it's it's quite interesting when somebody goes to an Avenger. How do you guys get funded anyway? Do you, know, do you get paid? <laughs> you know, and he goes, it's not really like that. And you just kind of think, actually, for all that these guys are respected the world over, you know, they've got the same problems as every, everybody else in terms of, what do you do? You know, what do you do? How do you get a paycheck? How do you live your life as well as doing the whole hero thing? And uh, yeah. it's all kind of interesting. And uh, and it was really played. But I told you, I, I, my, my son gave me a quote immediately after we finished it. And I think this kind of sums it up for me. He said, uh, yeah, after the credits rolled, he said, uh, you know what? He said, I really enjoyed WandaVision. WandaVision was great. But when I heard they were going to do TV Marvel TV shows on Disney Plus. This was what I wanted. Something that's like a it's an episodic TV show, but it it plays like it's a Marvel movie. He said, "This is what I was expecting. This is what I wanted to see." You know, he got it. He, yeah, he I mean, he got it. But he, he, I'd say, he enjoyed it far more than he did WandaVision. You know, um, it's in one episode in. Yeah. If I just compared the first WandaVision to the first Winter Soldier Falcon show. Um, I would say he's 100% right. Yeah. I enjoyed this way more than the first WandaVision, but I knew WandaVision was going to be kooky and different, yeah. and uh, I wanted to see what the payoff is. Yeah, I'm less interested in the payoff in this because I kind of think I already know what's going to come. Yeah, um, And that's not necessarily a bad thing, but I do like that they're not doing the same thing with every show. Yeah. No, I, you know, it I, looks like Loki's going to be more of a heist show. Yeah. And that looks very interesting. Um, and that comes out this summer right after the season. Yeah, and, and, uh, and presumably Winter Loki Soldier. will be more comedic because, you know, he's a funny anti-hero. Um, and yeah. Hiddleston plays that very well. Well, he's not an anti-hero at all. I mean, only if you go by the actual definition of anti-hero. Well, we'll, he is yeah. a bad guy. We, yeah, we'll we'll see how they play that. And, and that's that's going to be interesting. They need to make him... Th- I don't want them to, to create recreate what they did in the movies with that character. Yeah. Because he, did, he didn't grow... This is the Loki right after the first Avengers. That's right, movie, yeah. Where he just got defeated by the Avengers. He is 100% a bad guy. Um, you know, it, that... That's the Loki that I want to see continue. I don't want to see slowly becoming the good guy in those movies. We've already seen that. Yeah. I don't want to see that. Mm-hmm. I want to see the bad, the mischievous bad guy Loki. I think that is way more interesting mm-hmm. as a main character. You don't you don't you get that very often. No, no, it'll be good. I'm sure it'll be good. <clears throat> this looks very good as well. Yeah. Um, I have to say, I felt. <laughs> That that first action sequence where he's he's rescuing the guy off the plane, I think it made the finale of One Division look slightly tame. <laughs> yeah. It was it was pretty badass. It, to it be certainly was. Um, they kick it off with a boom. I mean, you know that whole ten minutes of a chase scene and flying in and out of the rocks and rockets exploding and yeah, uh, that you know, my son says, "Is that Will Smith?" <laughs> no. It was not Will Smith. And I thought, how could he think that was Will Smith? And then I actually looked at side by side. I was like, 
I think it was a little goatee thing going yeah, on. Plus, as well, we've seen uh, Will Smith in that environment before because he did. Yeah. They did a scene like that in uh, Independence Day. So yeah, so yeah. Mm, kind of. Yeah, um, I don't. Re- you know that scene that he turns around. And he was like, "What's up?" Yeah, he's sitting in the helicopter. You're like, "Dang, that was badass." <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think you're going to see super action in every episode. Nor do I even care if they do. We got to have some. I mean, it's a superhero thing, but so far, I'm more impressed, less with the action, as good as that is, and I'm more impressed with the character development that we're getting. Yeah. Because I wasn't expecting it. Well, I kind of was expecting it. That's the thing with the Marvel shows, man. They kicked it off the right way with WandaVision, really character driven. But more importantly, I think. Disney has shown a willingness to take their time yeah. and to do it right. And they've done that with the Mandalorian. And that's the only other thing, original content that you can really look at Disney plus and say, okay, what, what's the history now? Well, WandaVision Mandalorian two seasons. Yeah. Or is it three seasons? No, it's two seasons. Yeah. And man, they're both just fantastic shows. So, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier has some big boots to fill, if you will, and man, they're they're, they're kind of kicking uh, it off the right way, we, right we, off look, the bat. We said it before. It's a combination of the fact that they cast these roles extremely well. They cast these roles for the long term as well. They, they mm-hmm. you know, these these guys are all given, you know, four or five picture deals when they join up. Yeah, but they do that because they really want them to be in those number of pictures and they they want to have actors who have the chops to deliver over those sorts of pictures. I think part of the problem with DC is that they choose great actors, but you can't you can't give actors crap material and expect them to deliver. And the problem with the DC stuff agree. is that is the actors are all great. They're all top-notch, but they, yeah. you could argue in some circumstances maybe they are better actors than some of the Marvel guys, but the scripts are crap. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> the beginning of the him in therapy. Yeah. When he's just sitting there not saying a lot, looking and giving short answers, 100% convinced me he should be the new Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Just, he, not the fact that he looks kind of like Mark Hamill, which he kind of does. Yeah. But when you think about Luke Skywalker in the time between these horrible new movies and after Jedi. Yeah. I could totally... Mark Hamill's too old to do it, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to de-age him because that looked like ass. (laughs) Um, The more... I've watched that scene a few times now, and it's not good. I Um, I think... um, What was that movie that Scorsese did with De Niro? Um, Yeah. You know, know, the Netflix one. I think the problem is, is... That that movie showed that no matter how good the technology is, at the moment it's not good enough to convincingly DH no. somebody for a picture or for a, no. for a, a long. Either scene. go either go all animation that's kind of realistic looking, yeah. or recast, recast because yeah. it jumps out at you like, ugh, that's not good. Um, I am a hundred percent convinced he should be. The new Luke Skywalker. He has the demeanor. He can pull it off. You will believe he's a badass. Yeah. But he's got a vulnerability to him as well, which Luke absolutely had in those movies. Um, I hope that they do the right thing, make a Luke Skywalker series, mm-hmm. and that he is the new Luke Skywalker. I, I would totally buy him. Yeah. 100%. If I heard that, I would be, yeah. 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 I'd be all for it. Uh, let's jump into our feature this week. Uh, unfortunately, those who are watching on Facebook Live isn't going to hear anything because I have to edit this show. Uh, you should so with that board. You I should can, have been able to play them live. Uh, I could route it through, but I'm not going to. No, no, you've not done it now, but do it. you could have done. No, well, be, well, because I don't know what clip of the song I'm going to use yet. Like you gave me one of yours that starts right where it needs to start, yeah. but the rest of them. I don't know. That's one of my favorite things, though, is to capture the sound, these music. Some of the stuff I actually own the soundtracks of. Yeah. And edit in the right piece and then kind of fade it in, fade it out. I enjoy that stuff. Okay. Uh, gives me a chance to play, if you will. And that's actually the reason that this whole <laughs> thing exists. Just 
gives me a little bit of time to play with some of the stuff that I like to do. Um, we have had one episode that we've done this. This is our second one. We're going to continue forward. We'd love to get feedback from you guys as well on, hey, you guys, uh, what about this song? What about this? And it can be television. It can be movies. Um, it can be plays. Pro- probably not plays. Um, <laughs> Musicals. <laughs> but Yes, musicals. Yeah. Um, but it's music set to either a television show. It could be a theme. It could be a recurring song inside of a movie um, that really kind of captures when you hear it. It puts you in that place. Yeah. You know what this is. There's a reason that it has the impact that it does. And um, I'm going to start off this week, David. And after I say what the song is, just give a little bit of a pause to give me a chance to edit it in. Uh, but the first one is The Avengers. Now, obviously, David, that is not the Avengers from the awful British TV show or movie that was a complete bomb. <laughs> um, this is Marvel's Avengers. It's still very... Well, the movie was a bomb, but the, the TV series, there's two TV series, and they're held in very high affection here in the UK. Thank you very much. Yeah, I, I started watching them, and they're, they show their age. Um, <laughs> they're definitely of their time. I, I'll give you that. They were definitely of their time, Um, as is the Avengers movie that we have now. I think when I first heard this theme, I wasn't um, as enthusiastic about it as I am now. And I don't know why, other than the fact that we've heard this a whole bunch of times. That Does she know that she's on live on Facebook? You're live on Facebook, Charlotte. I, got I like her uh, Harry Potter robe. Yeah. Or is that it's, a blanket? It's an Udi. Have you heard of these Udis, okay. yeah? Yes, I have. Yeah. Yep. So I'm just turning, turning the camera around for a moment while uh, my, okay. my good lady walks past. So I'm going to keep it's going off. here yeah. then. Um, I think part of the reason that I like the Avengers music so much is that we've heard it over, what, half dozen movies oh, it's now? it's mystified. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, did, <laughs> I could continue to go. Yeah. <laughs> she thinks the camera's still on because I've just turned it onto the reverse camera, so it's just seeing a, gotcha. a very vague reflection from the because uh, I don't want to cut Monitor. the feed off. Yeah. Right. Um, I I think that that's probably why I like the music so much. Don't get me wrong; I think the composition itself is really well done. But I do think that it's the repetition that we've heard it. And it's been recorded a bunch of times now because they don't just reuse the same yeah. Avengers theme and all of these other ones. Yeah, I, I'm I'm not so sure. I, I think that point you've just made, to me, says that this is not that great a piece of music. I think the problem is the fanfare that kind of indicates the Avengers is a great piece of music, but it's very short. It's just that that small kind of few bars the actual overall theme isn't to me is not really there and so the fanfare is no, great it's just but it's, yeah, yeah the fanfare is the, the fanfare is the thing but actually as a as a longer piece of music i find this is not terribly not memorable um and it's, no. this has been a problem with many of the marvel movies as they don't have memorable movie music it all kind of sounds the same you know it has that kind of militaristic it makes you think of S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of that sort of thing, but it doesn't really kind of stick in the memory the way that some of the other stuff we've talked about in the past, like Star Wars uh, and those sorts of things. Those are iconic bits of music that everybody, even people who don't follow the movies, remember. Um, the Avengers theme yeah. is not quite that good. So I think I think oh. this is more of a niche selection in that this is a kind of a geeky selection and we all recognise it. And, it, you know, don't get me wrong, when you see... The Avengers come on screen in any form, and this this um, this fanfare plays in the background. Yeah, you know it does kind of stir you up. You know, now we're going to see an ass kicking, but um, 
I, th- I think it doesn't stick in the memory the way some of the other things on this list and some of the other th- ones we've talked about do. Having said that, well, I, have one, I have one, one on here that's exactly mm-hmm. the same. So, um, yep. you so know. go for it. So my um, let's let's do the Legends of Tomorrow theme, which is which is one of yep. mine on here. This is a t- obviously is a TV show, um, and I think we've talked on the show before that, that you know I probably enjoy the CW shows maybe a little bit more than you do. The whole Arrowverse thing, Legends of Tomorrow is a kind of a really weird show because it's got all these minor characters from these other Arrowverse. Um, TV shows in and kind of lumps them together into a, a time travel show that often suffers because it's um, its budget doesn't really match its ambitions. But I really... So let's listen to the yeah. theme here for one second. Okay, so... Yeah, I know the music. I've watched the show. Yeah. I watched the first two seasons of it. Um, I think the music is good. Don't get yeah. me wrong. I think the mu- the music is actually better than the show. I would agree. Um, I would agree. The the problem with it is kind. Of, it feels more like Mickey Mouse's Clubhouse for superheroes. <laughs> yeah, you know, is that it, absolutely right? The yeah, it's 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 not well acted. It's not well written. No. It feels like, hey, we're going to take the best of the Arrow universe and some of these secondary characters. We're going to throw them all together and they're going to go on a time jumping romp. What a great concept. Except your budget doesn't say (laughs) you're going to make realistic sets for the 1700s or the future. Um, The actors are going through the paces, but you can tell they're not really invested in these characters. Um it it's not well done. It's yeah, it's I think it's, I agree. of all the Arrowverse shows, this is the worst, followed by Black Lightning. Black Lightning has not even um I don't know. I, I can't get into it. I've tried to. I like the idea that the two daughters have powers and all that, but yeah. I, I it I just, it just hasn't captured me. Le- uh, Legends I gave yeah. up on the Flash, I gave up on Arrow. Yeah. Well Legends Legends does get better. Uh, the first two seasons were definitely the worst seasons of the show, so it does improve, but it, it only comes up to a certain level. And the thing, the thing with the Arrowverse shows is that to really keep track of everything that's going on, because it, unlike even unlike DC, it is now a pretty cohesive storytelling universe. Um, they have really pulled that off, at least. So yeah, the reason I'd give them that. Yeah, the reason that you end up watching shows like Legends is because um, you want to know what's going on in the entire universe. Because if you don't, if you only watch one or two of those shows, people will show up and you've no idea why they're there or what they do or what they mean. So you do kind of end up having to watch all of them to really keep keep what's going on. And you know, it's popcorn TV. You sit there, you watch it, you let it wash over you. Um, you can fit an episode in 40 minutes and it's like, right, you're run and done. I completely agree with you. I, Black Lightning as well is... I'm, in fact, I was kind of surprised when I found out that Black Lightning, Black Lightning has been folded into the rest of the Arrowverse because, you know, I didn't, I didn't really think that was going to work and I'm not up to the episodes where they've done that. So, um, yeah, and, you know, Black Lightning is... Well, we'll talk about Black Lightning in a bit when we talk about one of my other other shows because it there are some par- well, some of, one of my other bits of music. There's some parallels there, um, but yeah, Legends of Tomorrow. I like the music. Um, it's better than the show, um, but this is yep, about the music, not about there. the show. That's true. Speaking of the music, my next selection is um, you know the Lord of the Rings series uh, of movies, as good as they are isn't what when i think of lord of the rings that's not what i think about i think of the books it was one of in fact it was the first adult books if you will that i read as a kid Mm -hmm. and it was given to me my by my grandfather he found out that i was reading comic books and he said hey read this and he gave me the lord of the rings trilogy and the hobbit and i read them and it was um my grandfather was very standoffish, especially with the grandchildren, because uh, there was a lot of us. And so nobody ever got a lot of attention from him. Mm-hmm. So when he gave me this special gift, which was more than just the books, it was the attention that came with it. Yeah. 
um, I was honored. So when I think of Lord of the Rings, I think of that. When I think of Lord of the Rings as a, a, a movie franchise, this is the music that I think yeah. of. So that's obviously the Shire. Um, I think it is one of those rare pieces of music that completely captures the subject in a way that most composers only wish they could do. Yeah. It is an absolute, number one, it's a great piece of music mm-hmm. all on its own. Yeah. But it really captures the, the carefree lifestyle of hobbits. Yeah. And their insular nature, um, from the books and the movie. I mean, it is just so well done. Yeah. Every time you hear that music, you almost have to smile. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just like, oh, that's that's yeah. It, I like that a lot. It's, I mean, particularly particularly for us in the UK, because obviously the, the many aspects of of the Lord of the Rings, but particularly the way the Shire is depicted, is very much. British countryside from the pre-war British countryside, so that that piece of music really kind of evokes that for us. Um, and even though we yeah. shot New Zealand, I mean, it's it's a very much a a British countryside scene. And the weird thing about the Shire is that the way it, the way it's told in the books and the way it's depicted in the movie is it's little it's this little paradise that apparently nobody really knows about, surrounded by these warring superpowers. Um, yeah. and, and it, and it's, it's almost like a, it's, it is almost like a haven from that. I know towards the end of the, of the movies, you find that the Shire has been taken over, um, and, and actions ensue, but, uh, yeah, it, 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 it does. They really, they really captured it very nicely in the music and, and by using that as a motif for Frodo and Sam during the three movies, you, you can, it, it, it becomes a way of instantly kind of pinning those characters into their their level of innocence and um niceness and and peacefulness yep. and everything whenever you see them on screen no matter what they're doing and they're sometimes doing some you know and they're in the middle of some pretty horrible terrible things yeah you remember that the hobbits are the kind of the the real good guys of this story more than anybody else and they're the things that yeah, are worth a protecting bad hobbit is actually not that bad. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Right. They're just kind of greedy and get yeah. out of my garden. That's right, yeah. Not that big of a deal. So what's your next piece of music? So my next one um, is from a, a kind of a movie that I think is forgo- is unfairly forgotten of nowadays. But I remember at the time it was a really big deal um, because this is the movie that uh, Steven Spielberg did after Jaws and it's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Uh, and I think even for people who've never really been aware of the movie, they will probably recognise, again, there's a refrain here that actually is a, a core part of the plot. So, so let's listen to that. And so, yeah, I mean, that, that bit of music is really does take you right into that movie. Yeah, because it is. It's, um, it's the signal the aliens use. To, it's like the music is their universal language that allows them to communicate. Uh, and that is effectively is their, you know, hello, we come in peace symbol. Interestingly yeah. enough, when you read the Wikipedia page on Close Encounters, they had about 50 or 60 different five-note selections um wow. and they just went through and said yeah we like kind of like the sound of that one it's it's hard to think that you know john williams was able to turn something that, that was kind of selected on the basis of it could have been any one and, and kind of weave that into his music to make a really great theme and, and the overall theme for close encounters is very very uplifting some of john williams's yeah. you know not as recognizable work but certainly some of his early great work and there's no way that I don't think if that piece of music hadn't worked so well that Spielberg wouldn't have used him for E.T. And and obviously E.T. is, is one of his most uh, familiar bits of work. Um, but I, you know, I think Close Encounters as a movie really holds up today. You know, there's an awful lot in there that um, 
you know the idea it's too long that was my that's my issue with uh close encounters it's way too long you think um oh yeah i do um please log in through the google home app no i don't want to <laughs> don't you mind your business <laughs> um <laughs> yeah could you tell i turn that off um yeah so i like close encounters um i just think that the payoff is shitty well yeah i want i want so much more i want 20 minutes of discovery after the aliens are there and you don't really get that um it's all kind of I don't. I. I just don't like the ending of Close Encounters. Well, you know, you know they tried all these to do. People show up and. Yeah, they tried to do a special edition, didn't they? Where he, where you saw some of what you saw inside the ship, and it was awful, to be honest. I. I think. Yeah, it was even. It made it worse. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know. I. I think Close Encounters is one of those movies that three quarters of it is brilliant, if not too long, and the last is just not. It's not there. Um, that's why I haven't watched that movie in so many years yeah. because. I don't like the ending. Yeah. I uh, just, yeah, I watched they they re-released it a few years ago for the 25th anniversary or the 35th and whatever it was. Um and they remastered it and re-released it and I went to watch it in the theater again and I, I still think it's a fantastic movie. I get what you're saying about the end but the problem is the whole perspective of the movie is from the guy, the engineer who sees the aliens and ends up going onto the ship with the aliens. So I think that was a deliberate choice that Spielberg made to say, well, it's about his perspective. And once he kind of leaves and goes on the ship, he's kind of reached the end of his journey. And so we don't want to kind of see any more of that. Um, and then having, I wanted, I wanted to, and Guy Searle's with me on yeah. this, by the way, I wanted them to show him building another mashed potato mountain <laughs> on the ship. <laughs> That's what I wanted to see. You wanted him to bring the technology of mashed potatoes to the aliens. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I mean, that's... And, you know, there's a comedian, and uh, I believe it's George Carlin. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I know it's George Carlin. Yeah. That he figured out what, why we're here. And uh, it, it's not as deep as most people think. It was plastic. <laughs> Earth couldn't make plastic without us. Right. <laughs> made humans so now it's earth with plastic yeah that's what the aliens are coming right, they want the plastic yeah okay. they need the plastic you know, they couldn't make it that's why us. they turned up in the late 70s because that's when peak plastic was starting to hit its stride <laughs> yeah so um my final pick is uh you know close encounters came out in the, what the 70s yeah 70s 78 i think 79 something like 78, that yeah so we obviously grew up in that time frame. Mm -hmm. um, we were both, what, nine when that movie came yep. out? So our formative years really is the 80s, mm -hmm. you know, when you're still a child, but then when that decade exits, we're adults now. Yeah. And we're probably both more nostalgic for 80s things than 70s. Definitely. Although with your last music pick, I don't know. Um, <laughs> But my last music pick is not from a movie. It's from a TV show that is ongoing, and that is Stranger Things. So, David, I love that theme. Yep. The moment I heard it, it evokes uh, the feeling of the '80s, without without aping any of the '80s themes that are out there. Yeah. It's spooky. It's techno. It feels like it was a hundred percent made for that movie after this series was completely done. Yeah. It's like, how did they get this music that completely? captures the the feel and the vibe of this show uh in in such a spectacular way and it's really it's there's no actual there's no orchestra there's no singer no. there's no it's all done with synthesizers and with, keyboards which was itself sounds. yeah which, which really rose to prominence in the early 80s was the 80s yeah exactly and you know i did i read an article about this music 
and there's a theme to a little known music, a little known movie called, I think, The Wizard. Right. Something like that. And they said, this is probably where it took its inspiration from, and it totally did. I'm like, yeah, I can. Yeah. <clears throat> but a lot of the 80s stuff, you know, nowadays people don't realize how innovative with technology um, a lot of musicians were in the 80s. Yeah. It was experimenting with new sounds and drums and like purple rain that whole drum thing in purple rain is all done on a board yeah and they recreate it in concerts and stuff but it's the synthetic computerized no less music i don't i, I don't want to give that impression of some kind of a music style like oh if someone's not playing it it's not music horseshit yes it is um but man i i don't know any music that's been written in the last 10 years that encapsulates that sound better than the Stranger Things yeah. theme. It's just, to me, it's perfect. So so the thing is, the early 80s was when we not only got um, electronic synthesizers, but we also got the, the rise of things like MIDI, which meant that a single person could create a very multi-layered electronic universe for their piece of music. Yeah. And that's why we got, you know, there were, there were bands that, that there was only two or three guys um and they like all a seagull yeah that's right and they all played synth Wham. yeah they all played synthesizers and they were able to to write incredible songs without necessarily having genesis yeah uh without necessarily having the um you know the requirements of of guitar players and uh, all of that as well and drummers you know you could, could do it all yourself and i think that's why we saw the explosion of creativity but i think what's amazing about the people behind stranger things it's not i mean it's not just the mu- the music is fantastic and it very much to us evokes the 80s but the whole show does i mean yeah i've never seen anything movie or tv show that really captures an era as well as that there are plenty of people. No, and here's the thing: if if someone tries to fit a show in the '80s, they always show like the furniture from the '80s yeah. and the curtains from the '80s, and that's not what the '80s. The '80s were '70s. That's right. Yeah. You know, when they show these kids in the basement with wood paneling, that's out of the '70s. Yeah. All the furniture is out of the '70s. That's right. That's when people bought this stuff, and it was being used in the '80s. That's right. Um. You know, nobody had eggshell chairs in yeah. the 80s. Well, look at Wonder Woman you know, 84, which was full of, you know, like somebody had raided, an, raided an 80s Etsy store. Yeah. And yeah. and yet we we were there in the 80s and it wasn't like that. It wasn't all no, shiny and white with colors and stuff like that. Because yeah. it, you're right. It was 70s. It was all dirty and grungy and a little bit neglected. Yeah. And then 80s 100%. stuff, 80s kind of sensibilities was kind of pasted over it. I mean... Yeah, with the clothes yeah. and the music and the posters on the wall, there isn't really an '80s. When it comes to furniture and and stuff like that, there really isn't an '80s style. No. '80s was about the hair and the clothes and the music and the art. And, and uh, yeah, um, I think what most people rec- fail to recognize is that the creativity that sprang up in the early '80s was because it was so grim. <laughs> it was a grim yes. time. You know, we were yes. still frightened about nuclear war. Um, you know, we'd had a lot of economic depression in the seventies. It wasn't a great. It wasn't a great period. It certainly wasn't the, um, you know, happy-go-lucky, decadent period that is remembered by many people now and is often demonstrated. And what I love about Stranger right. Things is that not the, the thing about this piece of music is it evokes those kids movies from the 80s as well that were also tried to be yeah. a lot more hopeful and less grim than reality was so movies like the goonies and all of those other sh- uh, tv shows and, and movies they did you know the lost boys and stuff like that where it was it was kids on their own not with the help of parents triumphing against things going on that nobody else knew about and it was the fact that a group of kids as friends could come together and do something about these things you know and and stranger things really brings that out and that idea of kind of a a spooky modern universe that but the kids are in charge the kids are are basically running the plot is really to me what what this music brings out and that i think that's really great yeah you know so our last piece of music best one save the best unfortunately is the worst is what's the song uh, I, you know what i'm not even going to announce it i think you should just play it and let everyone enjoy here it is 
dick that's a sex machine to all the chicks. You're damn right. So for those who are in the know, you would remember the music, if not the movie. And that's the thing, David. I don't remember the movie Shaft for anything. I really don't. Um, Black X, what they call it, Black Black exploitation. Yes, thank you. Um, That was really big in the seventies. They were massive hit movies. Yeah. Um, I I think I watched Shaft, but it was would have been in the eighties on probably HBO or something. Um, I I think that's an awful piece of music. (laughs) Well, okay, that's fine. I I guess. There's, there's a couple of things about this, really. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to come out here and say that Shaft is a great movie or even Blaxploitation was a great movement. Um, I don't think I'm... <laughs> as a white person, I'm really qualified to comment on it one way or the other. Um, but what I... David Ginsburg said, shut your mouth. <laughs> I think... And Guy Sarr said, Tim is a bad mother. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that on the show. So um, the thing for me, that, and the reason this piece of music works for me is very much like we were just talking about Stranger Things. To me, this evokes an era that was very, very clear in my memory. I went to New York on holiday in um, 1979. And And you remember walking down in Bellbottom? I remember going going to Times Square, and Times Square in the late 70s was a pretty seedy, nasty place. And New York itself was a a pretty seedy, nasty nasty. place. And this piece of music really brings all that out to me if you have seen the movie um it it you know it it was it it was very much akin to to this and then there was starsky and hutch there was all those late 70s cop shows set in new york as well and it was a grim kind of dirty place that people enjoyed despite it and i think the thing that this piece of music brings out to me is that is that even in that horrible horrible place with horrible things going on there were things that people kind of got out of being there. And, um, yep. you know, let's face it, being a black person in the late seventies, um, was, was, was not, it was not great. I mean, the, the, the racism and the, some would say it's still not great. Well, it's today. still not great, but it's hell of a lot better than it was in the late seventies, at least. Um, um, I think this piece of music is iconic. I'll yeah. give you that. Um, I, I don't enjoy it. I would never listen to yeah. it. Um, but that's not because of the movie or anything. I just think it's a shitty piece of music. Right. Well, I I think the problem with it it's it's this piece of music itself has been exploited over the years uh, and has been kind of riffed on and well, don't they use it in the in the in at least versions of this in the Sam Jackson movies? Uh, well, he, he's I'm pretty sure that they use. He's been in a Shaft. He what he did play Shaft in a in a in a kind of a remake movie. Two or three movies now. They just had another one like two, three years ago yeah. where it's his son now. Yeah. And they actually showed um, Richard Roundtree. Yeah, Richard Roundtree as, pops up in all the, the movies shot. as well. Yeah. So, right. It, he's now he's Sam Jackson's dad. Exactly. So he was the original yeah. Shaft. I like that they're, you know, they're acknowledging that legacy. I think that's important. Yeah. Um, and actually, the new movies are not bad at all. No. I, I quite enjoyed yeah. them. That being said, though, this is still a bad piece of music. <laughs> well, it's just like the best things in life. Let's agree to differ on that one. Well, it's your pick. That's why we have our own. <laughs> yeah. Um, we're going to revisit this topic moving forward. We're obviously not doing it every episode. We'll probably hit it every four or five episodes. And it's been a while since we did one. So this was our episode to do some more music from TV and movies. We would love to get some uh ideas yeah i'm sure there's stuff that we're not even thinking about and as yeah. soon as someone sends us feedback like you forgot about this movie we'll be like oh my god or this tv show yeah if um, you have a piece of music know, that delivers 10 times out of 10 yeah. then i want to hear from you absolutely <laughs> and i've got bad uh, i've already got four picked out for the future um but we'll we'll save those for another day because uh Hey, I don't want to. I don't want to blow my shaft. Or I mean, <laughs> it's bad, bad phraseology. I got. I got to. I got to go for the pun when I see it. <laughs> um, so this has been the Geeks Pub. We'd love it if you guys sent us feedback. It's the show at thegeekspub.com or no geekspubpodcast.com. Jeez, I'll get there eventually. Um, 
We do have a website. You can leave a comment there. Or you can go to MyMac.com and leave a comment in the show notes. We do read your feedback, so make sure you send us feedback. And make sure you tell us whether it's for TechFan, our sister show, or it's for the Geeks Pub. Because, you know, we were talking about feedback from David, and I think it was from a Geeks Pub episode, but I'm not sure. (laughs) Um, But we'd love for you guys to send us feedback. The show at geekspubpodcast.com you can also follow us on twitter but we're still using exclusively the tech fan stuff on both twitter and facebook so look for tech fan podcast on both those platforms and you'll find us and david we'll be back next week with some uh tech fan great stuff see you then see you then